Well, good morning everyone. As you all know, we are doing things a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to be speaking to you over this recorded message, so I just ask you to bear with me this morning as you listen to me and hear the sounds of my neighborhood um, through this video. So today we're going to be talking about peace amidst pressure and how it is we can find peace in during in and during the pressures of life. And the idea for this sermon really came out of some lessons that God has been teaching me lately through some pressures that I've been feeling over some long hours at work. But with everything going on in the world, I really hope that you can also find uh, practical applications for this in many different areas of life. You know, pressure is something that we just have to face throughout our lives. Indeed, we face it day to day as it comes and goes and can bring a lot of turbulence to our day. We face pressures at work through deadlines, exams, traffic, um, financial problems, you know, and as we're seeing right now in the world through sickness. And the result of the pressure is that, you know, it can cause us to enter into states of stress, of worry, you know, fretting, dread, and even fear. And so how is it with hanging, all of this hanging over our heads, how is it that we can possibly find peace? How do we find a sense of well-being, of calmness of heart, when there's so much around us that's trying to squeeze us almost like a boa constrictor each and every day? What do we do? Well, when it comes to pressure, there's three common responses that we, if we look around, we can find people taking it. In fact, if we look at our own lives, likely we'll find that we take, see that we take these at times as well. And, you know, there, there are strategies that we use to try to deal with anxiety and pressure in life. So one strategy that we often do is we focus our eye on our circumstances and just hope for better ones. And in this strategy, you know, what we're doing is we're looking for peace from our circumstances. So we buckle down in times of pressure and just try to get through them, hoping that at some point there'll be a better circumstance and therefore we can have peace. You know, have you ever found yourself under a bunch of stress and a bunch of pressure and just thought, you know, I just have to get through this. And once I do, it'll be all better. Things will be great. You know, it's this is a strategy that I have to admit that I really struggle with, you know, especially with the pressures of work. I, you know, I tend to think, man, if I can just get through this deadline, things are going to get so much better. I'm going to have so much more time to get the things done I need to get done, you know, to really experience some freedom and just make progress. You know, life will be calmer. Life will be better. But there's a real problem with the strategy. And Jesus tells us what that problem is in John 16:33. So let's look at John 16:33. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Well, Jesus tells us pretty cl clearly here that we're going to have problems in life. So while we experience times of good circumstances, we will always find that trouble is just knocking at the door, ready to come right back into our life. And so this strategy, while it does experience some peace in good circumstances, it experiences no peace during the pressure. And indeed, if we get no relief over time from the pressure in our lives, at some point we're going to find that heavy rock that we're holding above our heads, all that pressure, is going to become too much and it's going to crush us and squish us. 
You know, some people express this strategy in terms of faith and hope. Have you ever heard the phrase, well, we just need to have faith? You know, in a way, this sounds great, you know, but the reality is that faith and hope have no power in of themselves. The crucial question here, therefore, is have faith in what? Put our hope in what? It is what we put our hope in, it's what we put our faith in that gives it strength. If I were to put my hope in, say, a squirrel, you know, put my faith in a squirrel, I'm not going to find too much help in that. Likewise, if we just hold a faith, a hope that things are going to be, get better because we want them to, then all we're doing is really putting our faith and our hope in our faith and hope. We're putting in an idea, an idea that has no power. So this first strategy is really just looking to our circumstances to find peace. A second strategy that we also can find that we take uh, does a very similar thing. It looks to our circumstances for peace. But instead of operating out of a hope and seeking to bear through pressure, this strategy really sits in resignation and defeat and just lets the circumstances of life determine the quality of our lives. Have you ever had a bad week of work and um, the thought just comes to mind, my job's just falling apart. You know, it, it's all going down the train, drain, it's going to pot. I might as well just quit my job and do something completely else. You know, this is a strategy of defeat. And now while we don't tend to live in this strategy at all times, it's not a hard thing to fall into amidst the pressure. And what's happening is that our eyes are so focused on our circumstances, on our immediate situation, that we have trouble seeing outside of it. And we enter a glum state, a real state of defeat. Well, as there was a problem with the first strategy, there's also a major problem with this strategy. And we can find that in the book of John. If we first look at the, at the, at the verse of John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, that he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus has told us clearly that he wants us to have a good life. To resign that life is just awful and terrible is to miss out on the good life that God wants for us. God doesn't say he will give us a trouble-free life, but an abundant life, a life of good, even amidst that pressure and pain. So if we take this second strategy, we really lose out on that good life that God wants for us. And then a third strategy that we may take is to really turn our eyes on ourselves and really look to control life. We think if we can only control things so that they occur as we want them, then we'll find peace. So when we take this strategy, often what we do is we try to control our circumstances. We, can, we seek to control others, to control ourselves, to control anything that we possibly can. You know, as you've probably heard, there's currently a run going on toilet paper. You know, stores are completely sold out of toilet paper as people have been buying up so much of it. I was actually at Home Depot on Friday and heard multiple people asking employees, where is the toilet paper? This is at Home Depot. And it sounded like Home Depot was sold out of toilet paper. 
Now in some ways this is kind of funny, but the reality is, is that it's just a representation of the way that people are trying to deal with the pressure in life right now. And in our C group on Thursday, we were discussing this very thing. And one person shared that they had read an article that explained that people's stockpiling of toilet paper is something that they can control in a situation where there's a lot that they can't control. And that shows the reality of the problem of this strategy. In life, there's actually very little that we are able to control. We can't control if there's any toilet paper left in a store. We can't control our situations, or the opportunities that we get, the weather, the time. You know, a lot of the time we can't even control our own feelings. So we therefore really can't expect to control enough of reality to find peace. None of these strategies bring us peace, and especially peace amidst pressure. But in a desire to find peace, we turn to them, as do those around us. So. As you see people responding to the pressures in life through these strategies, know that they are just trying to find a way to figure out how to deal with the pressure and to find peace. But sadly, they're looking in the wrong place. Well, thankfully, the Bible shows us how we can have peace amidst pressure. And we see that, first of all, we find that peace comes amidst pressure when we focus our eyes upon God and rest in Him. Let's look back to John 16, 33. I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We're gonna have trouble in the world. It's just gonna be a part of life. But in Jesus, we can have peace. It says that in me, you may have peace. Peace can come regardless of our circumstances through focusing our, our eyes upon God and resting in him. So how do we go about this? How do we focus our eyes on God in order to obtain that peace that he wants for us? Well, if we look at Philippians 4, 4 through 8, that gives us a great guideline about how to focus our eyes upon Jesus. So I'm going to go ahead and read these verses a whole, and then we're going to break it down. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We begin to focus our eyes upon God over pressure by rejoicing in the Lord. That's the first thing that Paul talks about there, is rejoice in the Lord. Now, rejoicing can be difficult to do in the midst of pressure, in the midst of trouble, of worry, of dread, and fear. Um, and maybe this is part of why Paul wrote it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Indeed, Paul wrote this statement while he was in jail for his faith. Now, that's a pressure that I have never felt, but I imagine that it's a pressure that gave him good opportunity to really practice these verses. Now, to rejoice in the Lord means that we delight in God's grace. It means that we really experience God's grace and that we're conscious of his grace. And so even though it can be difficult in the midst of trouble 
to rejoice. If we really look at what God has done for us, and we really look about uh, at the world around us, we can find things to rejoice about each day. So right now for us, we can be rejoicing that in this very thirsty area that God is giving us so much rain to water the land. We can rejoice in this beautiful world that God's put around us. We can rejoice in what God has done in drawing us into a personal relationship with him. That he's died for our sins, that we can have a good life. We can rejoice that Jesus has overcome the world as he talked about in John 16, 33. Jesus is not subdued by this world of trouble, trouble, but he's mastered it. It has to bow down before him. Jesus is not surprised by what's going on in our lives. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. Well, the next thing we can do to continue to focus our eyes upon God over the pressures in life is take our worries, our fears, and everything else to God. If we look at Philippians 4, 6, it says, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God wants us to bring everything we are dealing with before him. He wants us to talk about it with him through prayer and to ask for his help through supplication. God wants to be part of our lives and to help us to have the best one possible. He, however, he's not going to force this help upon us, but instead he waits patiently for us to come and ask for it. We have the opportunity to get help from the one who created it all. We just have to ask. And if in the midst of this, we then adopt an attitude of thankfulness, it can even more help our eyes to clearly focus upon God. As with rejoicing, there's so much we can be thankful for. As we look at life with an attitude of thankfulness, we can see clear what God is doing in our own lives, as well as what he's trying to do through us and in the world. You know, we can get a better picture that can help us move past the anxiety, the trouble that we're dealing with, the pressure, and that's squeezing us in the moment, and see something greater. So the next thing we can do to uh, get past anxiety and move towards peace amidst pressure, the next thing we can do to really help us focus our eyes upon God is to focus our minds on the right things. So in the, in the midst of pressure, it can be difficult at times to think about anything else. I'm sure that you've experienced this where you just have a vortex of stewing thoughts and emotions about whatever pressure is going on. And it just keeps swirling around and around and you can't think about anything else. You know, as an exaggerated example of this, if, if I were to tell you, think about a tree, I want you to think about a tree, I want you to imagine a tree. Now... Now that you're thinking about the tree, stop imagining that tree. I know there's a tree in your mind, but stop imagining that tree. No, don't I don't think about the tree. Just move on and do something else. Don't think about that tree. Right? That that's an exaggerated example, but it is kind of what it's like when we're stewing over our problems and really just trying to think about how we shouldn't think about them. You know, man, I'm so worried about work. I just I really shouldn't think about how worried I am about work even though there's all these problems that I'm worried about. I I got to stop thinking about how I'm worried about work. You know, we, we tend to try to push by, past our anxiety by thinking about how we shouldn't be pushing or think about how we should be pushing past our anxiety. Well, Philippians 4.8 shows us a better way to do this. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So instead of thinking about how we should, shouldn't be thinking about anxiety, we need to replace it with other thoughts. So when we focus on good things that are true, like that God loves us so much, on things that are honorable, like how Neil Walker does such a good job really loving people and trying to get to know them in the midst of his busyness, on what's just, on what's pure, on whatever is lovely and commendable, as we think about things that are worthy of praise, like how Max Barnett is continuing to pour out his life in service to the Lord in his 80s, while so many people are just looking for rest and relaxation at that age. When we, when we think about these things, when we focus on them, our minds move away from the anxiety that we're facing, from the pressure that we're, that we're facing, and towards the God who delights in these things and calls us to them. It helps us move away from anxiety and towards peace, towards something better. As we rejoice in the Lord... And as we take all things before him in prayer and supplication and seek to focus our minds upon the right things, we can begin to move towards not being anxious in all circumstances, as Philippians 4, 5 tells us to do, be anxious in nothing. And then as further help to this, we can rest upon the fact, the reality of what Philippians 4, 5 then says, the Lord is at hand. God is not far off playing golf. He's not off doing other things. But God is with us right here and now. He is at hand. As we face pressure, God is beside us, ready to help us through it. And, and who is this? Who is this God who's right beside us? Let's look at Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is a God of steadfast love. His love does not falter, but he is always looking out for our good at all times. His mercies never come to an end. He is constantly giving us undeserved grace and favor. God is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that same God who loved us so much to die on the cross for our sins is the same God who stands beside us right now, ready to help us through the pressure that we're facing. We just have to stop and realize that God is there, that he's at hand, that he is with us right now. As we focus our eyes upon God, instead of our circumstances and instead of ourselves or others, we can experience his peace amidst the pressures we are facing. Let's look at Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will, be on your, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just, just imagine that for a second. We can have a peace from God that's so amazing, it surpasses the understanding of why we should even have that peace. A peace that can guard our hearts and minds amidst even the most dire of circumstances. You know, in a way, it almost seems like it's too good to be true. But the Bible actually shows multiple examples of where God gave people peace in the midst of terrible pressures. If we look at Joseph of the Old Testament, he had a hard life full of pressures. 
You know, his brothers considered concealing him. Uh, his brothers considered killing him when he was young, and then just decided in the end to sell him into slavery. And then, after finally gaining approval for the master he had been sold to, the master's wife got upset when she couldn't seduce him and lied to her husband um, and th had Joseph thrown in jail. And then through jail, Joseph experienced more trouble. Throughout his life, Joseph experienced so many pressures. But at the end of it, he made a statement that really shows the way that he viewed it. As for you, you meant this evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. That's Joseph talking about how God meant these things for good. He saw something different. He was able to have peace in the midst of this pressure. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is another great example of people who had peace in the midst of a great pressure. They were threatened to be thrown into a furnace of fire if they wouldn't bow down to an idol. But in peace, they said they wouldn't, and God saved them through that. We already mentioned how Paul wrote these verses while he was in jail. It is so true that we can have a great peace amidst pressure. Now, I'm sure in all of these examples, you know, they weren't particularly thrilled to be in the position that they were in. It's not probably what they would have preferred to have done. But God gave them peace that didn't come from themselves, but came from them focusing upon him. Well, likewise, we're going to find that we face many pressures in life that we would prefer not to. But as we keep our eyes focused on God, we can, we can find peace. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be something that we're going to fail in time and time again. And when we do, we just need to refocus our eyes on God. And then we can have a real peace. So first of all, to find that peace, we need to focus our eyes on God and rest in Him. And second, we must not be careful not to buy future stress. Again, we have to be careful not to buy future stress. If we look at Matthew 6.34, we see it says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Each and every day has its own issues, its own troubles, its own pressures. You know, we already have so much to struggle with in any given day. So why heap on that the pressures of tomorrow? And during college, there was two summers in which I was on the football team. And during the summer, what we would do is we actually had practice four days a week um, for two hours first thing in the morning. And then what I would do is I would head off to work. And these practices were extraordinarily tiring because the general rule of the football team at that time was that we are going to practice so hard that we do not need to do any condition training. And that's what we did throughout the year. But during the summer, they just figured that, you know what, we might as well just throw conditioning training on top of that as well, which made these practices extremely hard, extremely tiring. Well, during that summer, something else I also was doing was living with a really good friend. And I was really excited about this opportunity for us to live together that summer. I, I figured we were just going to have so much fun because, you know, after practice, after work, we didn't have homework. We just had the opportunity to hang out and do whatever we wanted. Well, quickly, that's not how the summer ended up happening. And what the problem was is that I entered into a state of a big rut of dread. So what would happen is after practice each day, I would go to work. And in the middle of the afternoon, I would start 
dreading practice the next day. I would start getting really concerned about making sure that I was rested enough for that practice. I'd get really concerned that I wasn't drinking enough water, that I'd be hydrated enough for that practice. And so I would start obsessively drinking water. And then once I got home, instead of really enjoying my night, I'd be really scared about making sure I got enough rest for the next day, which wasn't always an easy thing to achieve because it got so hot in our room that it was hard to sleep. The dread of the next day just kept eating away at my enjoyment of that day, at my enjoyment of hanging out with my roommate, at the enjoyment of that summer. You know, I I really thought that was going to be a fun summer. And what it ended up being is actually pretty awful. You know, I let the difficulty, the pressure of tomorrow kill my worry or kill my peace and my joy in today. Well, stewing on the pressures of tomorrow brings us absolutely no help today. So instead of stewing, we need to prudently plan, but not panic. You know, God really values prudence, taking thought to our steps and about what we're going to be doing in our lives. But in our planning, we're going to face known and unknown troubles. But we just have to give those to God. We can't take those troubles on today when there's nothing that we can practically do about it. Instead, we need to give those to God and follow that same example that we saw in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And then practically prepare for the situations that we're going to be facing. As we turn our eyes upon God, instead of the circumstances of our instead of our circumstances or ourselves, and as we prudently plan without panicking, we can find real peace amidst pressure. We don't get to avoid pressure, but instead God helps us wade through it, making sure that it never gets above our heads. You know, we have actually have an amazing opportunity, an opportunity to show people what a life of peace can really look like, even in the midst of fear, even in the midst of the pressures around us. You know, despite the worries, despite anything else happening, we can show people that there's real peace in Christ Jesus. And people desperately want peace. And we can show them where they can find it. Peace amidst pressure. So even though we aren't meeting this morning, um, and I'm coming to you over the web, um, I do want to ask each of you, think through what could your next step be this morning to really help you um, this coming week. And so here's three suggestions of what next step could be. First of all, you could memorize one verse that helps us deal with the pressures of life. Maybe that's John 16, 33, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, or 8, uh, Matthew 6, 34. Those are some of the ones we looked at this morning. You could also look at Isaiah 41, 10, or Joshua 1, 9. Another next step you could take is every time a pressure comes forward in your life this week, answer it by asking God to help you with it. God wants to help us through the pressure, and we just need to ask. And a third possible next step would be every day this week, just thank God for being with you. Again, God is at hand. He is not far off. And so if we will just think about that, we can get real benefit and real help. And so by thanking God for being with us, that can really draw our minds to the fact that he is. Well, I hope that you all have a good day. I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Uh, this morning and uh, we'll go from there or you'll have a hopefully you'll have a great week
God, thank you for this day. Um, thank you that we do not have to face the pressures of life alone, but instead that you are a God who loves us so much that you'll help us through them and help us to actually find peace in the middle of them. I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to push away the anxiety that we deal with through whatever pressures in life that we're facing, that we would just turn to you. And even if we fail, God, in that moment by moment, that we would just keep turning back to you, focusing our eyes upon you and finding that peace in you. So thank you that we have that opportunity. And thank you for the opportunity that we have to show others about what where we can find real peace. Just pray that you'd give us help and may we just glorify you with our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.